Hi everyone and welcome back to Safe Space, the official Safe in Our World podcast. For those who don't know, the main goal of Safe in Our World is to create and foster worldwide mental health awareness within the video games industry. My name is Rosie and today I am joined by Jake Kulkowski, who is the head of influencer relations at Dead Good Media, which is a video games PR agency. Welcome. Hi Rosie. Hello. Thank you very much for having me on. <laughs> It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. I think it's um, it's my turn this time because the last time we spoke, it was on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely was. Yeah, which uh, we'll talk about in just a, a few moments, I'm sure. And I guess we can provide the links in case people are like, wow, I want to hear more Rosie and Jake together. Yes. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Well, we've actually, we've recorded three podcasts together, um, but <laughs> the first one, which I don't remember whether it was good or not, uh, got binned anyway because Jake decided it wasn't worth it. And uh, Yeah, just... I'm an auteur. No, it, there was, a, there was yeah. yeah, there was an issue with the recording, so we had to record again, but it was great. It was a good opportunity to, to chat. And so, yeah, thank you for bringing me on and uh, publicizing our third conversation ever. It's going to be <laughs> lots of fun. Have we ever talked not on a podcast? No, no, I don't think we have. <laughs> oh, my. oh no, that's okay. That's fine. That's just 2022 at this point. <laughs> um, so, could you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and what you do at Dead Good? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I'm Jake Kulkowski, the head of influencer relations at Dead Good Media. We're an international PR agency servicing the video games sector. We've got offices in Montreal, uh, in, in Quebec, Canada and also in the UK. Um, but the the teams sort of varied. We're all over the UK and different areas of North America, like Saskatchewan, Saskatoon, and Toronto, and things like that. And uh, yeah, we, we, uh, we're, we're a full-service PR agency, so whether that means helping um, a huge publisher send out a podcast to, um, I don't know, links about their podcasts or press releases or or news and information to you know media outlets all over the world um maybe it's consultancy or training members of staff to be you know media ready for interviews or what i do which is working with content creators to to have activation so whether that's sending content creators um games provided by our clients or maybe working with um influencers who do creative projects like cosplayers we commission like you know uh, weapons and we do all sorts of like oh my god i didn't know you did that that's so cool <laughs> yeah we do, we do all sorts of like i guess you'd call it influencer marketing now although it's it's been a very um long and very journey but yeah so me, me and my team of two from from canada we um yeah we, we work on about 51 games a year we we launch about 51 games a year there's 52 weeks in a year so we get a week off I'm gonna say that's um, one a week that's wild <laughs> yeah yeah and uh that's that so that's that's what we do at dead good and myself i'm just a guy from north wales uh hollywell north wales um in the uk it's a little country next to england if you're listening from somewhere else in the world and don't know where wales is we're a small country with a population of about three million um, which is about a quarter of the city of london i think um and uh, yeah i have no sort of um previous experience in the in the video games industry before my role at dead good nor, nor did i know what pr was or anything like that and so it's been a very unorthodox and very organic i think um journey into where i am now so i'm happy to say that yeah now i'm in a senior position in the video games industry and um, people want to talk to me about all sorts of things so it's really really nice so. yeah you've had such a cool journey as well because i couldn't believe that you'd not been in the industry before and you were mm. just like yeah i'm just kind of winging it it's, it's going really well <laughs> <laughs> um and then just before the call you mentioned just very casually that you one had been to a red carpet event last week in london just <laughs> off the cuff and then you were uh, also buying a suit to go to bafta next week <laughs> <laughs> well um i'll start by saying that i actually uh, do the pr for bafta so i'm, I'm working the event there um which means that I have to have like a radio and things like that. There's a like BAFTA is like a very still very, very cool, Jake. <laughs> it's well, absolutely, especially if you knew the council estate I came from. I, I can tell you, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's it's there's it's a huge thing. BAFTA is a large and ceremonious organization where there's like you know millions of people involved. So I feel like I'm a small part of the puzzle. But yeah, like um, the Dead Good team, the, the press team specifically, have been working. Uh, increasingly hard to get like you know media attending the event and things like that so yeah i'm just there as a kind of overseer if you like to check that everyone on, on our team's okay and hydrated and making sure all the press are in and things like that so yeah going to the baftas which is absolutely crazy and uh yeah well uh, you know i i, I can't 
I, I can't front really. I, I went to the um to the world premiere of Fantastic Beasts, the new one, uh, on the red carpet. Um because um, my, one of my best friends in the whole wide world was invited and thought, who would be good to go to see a film with? Jake. So I traveled all the way to London um, to go and see it. And it was very strange for me because, you know, you, you are walking on the actual red carpet and there's like people in like, they're, they're called the crowd pens. And they're all sort of there, like taking pictures of like you because they think, you know, you might be somebody when you're not. It's very objectifying and interesting. Oh, man. And then, I, yeah, it's good. And I, I'll start this podcast strong uh, or I'll get to the low point really quick. I needed to go to the bathroom. And uh, when I was in there, there was a lot of men in suits standing with their back to a cubicle. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what's happening there? So anyway, there, there we go. So I went and washed my hands and stuff like that. And then I, I got my phone out um, just outside the bathroom to see if I could um, find my friend again. And then these men in suits just uh, all walked out behind me. I turned around and it was Mads Mickelson. So that was very exciting. Uh, <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it was very, very strange. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, I get to live this very strange life sometimes. And because I work in the video game sector, you know, I'm very, very, very fortunate that it's not like a very severe and serious job. Um, you know, it still has huge, huge benefits. But at the end of the day, you know, my job is sending people who are professional entertainers, ultimately, copies of video games. You know, I'm not performing keyhole surgery or anything like that. So I get to live um, a life where, you know, I, I get to work on in a in an industry that's directly connected to my passion in life, which is video games. And I get to you know, um, partake in all sorts of like really strange things like that. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting actually. <laughs> I love that. Cause did you grow up playing video games then? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's not like, you know, my mum will probably listen to this and she'll be like rolling her eyes at me, but like we, we grew up like on a council estate and my mum and dad are really, uh, loved me staying inside and not getting into loads of trouble and things like that. So, um, I had like a Super Nintendo and I used to play um, Super Mario lots and things like that. And I'm a bit like, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm pretty much on the spectrum, I think. So I like hyper fixate on things. And I got really good at video games like when I was young and like, uh, you know, PlayStation 1 was, I was, I think it was about seven or eight when we had a PlayStation 1. And I was helping my mum and dad and my mum and dad's friends on like Tomb Raider and things like that. They used to come <laughs> around with their, their memory cards and I used to uh, get past some of the levels that they were stuck on. And oh I think God, it's just about, incredible. <laughs> well, I think it's, you don't get bored when you're a kid, do you? So if you die a hundred times, you don't, you don't mind really, but it's like, I watch, now I watch my daughter playing games and she just does the same thing over and over again. And I, I think she's played the first season of Stardew Valley about 50 times. And then as soon as it gets to summer, she just re-rolls so she can do the egg hunt again and things. So, um, yeah, I used to grow up playing video games and, uh, she does I've know noticed... it comes back around, doesn't she? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I just, yeah. Just impatient, I guess. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, this is it. So yeah, I'm playing video games my whole life, and like, yeah, I'm really lucky to have a job now that's so closely connected to that. Because where where, where I grew up, there wasn't anything um, like that. There's no like media colleges or things like that. I don't think PR was ever in like you know a career day in school or anything like that. So no, no, absolutely not. No, it's strange, isn't it? I like didn't really ever consider games being a career until like embarrassingly recently obviously <laughs> before I got this job um but it was just never a, a prospect at, at school even um like a number of years ago for me so it's it's a really strange one and I think it's a there's a lot of bias in it especially in the school that I was in because everyone if if you were doing anything b-tech or anything like creative it was considered like not a real degree <laughs> and not a real career choice which always really frustrated me so yeah it's 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 absolutely crazy that the world's shifting so fast with these sorts of things that become viable careers like um as far as i know uh, i was one of the first influencer relations guys um in the world like for an external agency so um for those that just don't know what i mean like um a pr agency we're like a specialist agency that companies go to when they need support but um a lot of really big companies will have like internal pr uh, specialists and things like that and now a lot of the really big companies have internal influencer specialists as well so people that will reach out just to content creators and influencers so to have, be an agency with a dedicated specialist like was um almost unheard of so i was one of the i think i'm actually the second in the world i think the first was it sandbox strategies in in new york and now wow. every pr agency in the uk has 
a me basically uh, or teams of, of, of influencer relations people so yeah it was that was a role that was basically carved out as i joined the industry and I've, i was only in the industry uh well last week was my third year in the games industry so yeah very new wow it's weird isn't it having a job that no one else really does because i feel like i can relate to that a little bit with this job there's not many video games mental health charities out there um <laughs> yeah and i don't really know anyone else who's doing like the same thing that i'm doing so it's, it's a really weird position to be in but it's also kind of fun because you get to almost create and your own job <laughs> in a way exactly exactly and it gives you a fantastic opportunity to you know make of it what you will and things like that it can get a little bit daunting sometimes. Depends on the type of person you are, isn't it? Because mm. there's a lot of people that love, like, I don't know, LinkedIn learning or whatever, like all that sort of stuff, like, you know. But uh, there's something quite nice about being part of something new um, and, yeah, helping write the rule book and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, it's quite interesting. I mean, like, that's what I mean. Like, now there's, like, jobs that are, like, you know, influencer relations, like I guess like a junior position or like an entry level position. And I look at like what like these big companies anticipate you have. And I'm not even qualified for them. And I think I lead one of the largest influencer relations teams in Europe. So I'm just like, okay. Uh so it's it's quite that's what I mean. It's quite funny to watch what happens when it gets, you know, uh the the, the um the academia side of the world and stuff like that gets it. Yeah. When, the, when the paper side of the world gets a hold of what what value and metrics to put on these jobs and things so yeah it's it's cool to be um on the frontier so to speak which makes it sound way cooler than it is right the frontier I mean, it is sounds... still pretty cool though <laughs> <laughs> i guess so let's not downplay it, it. <laughs> <laughs> um so let's talk a little bit about mental health um because mm -hmm. obviously safe in our world is yeah. mental health uh video games charity but um what what made you passionate about mental health and when did you kind of start your journey in that i guess um it's I don't know really the exact time, but I suppose I was a little bit aware from when I was younger that I wasn't really into things that other people are into, uh, or a bit, I'm a bit, well, even now I'm very, very disassociated with mm -hmm. like everything, but it's okay because I know how to cope with it and things like that now. But, um, yeah, I've been very aware, uh, that I've been a little bit different than other people, um, and I think a lot of it comes to growing up in a small town and like, you know, um, so just, you know, for the record, I'm 30, but, uh, I, I remember a sort of pre-internet world. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> when, you know, your only network of peers or friends or whatever, I don't think you'd say a peer if you were a little kid, like, but you know what I mean? Um, no. but, <laughs> I was so, going to fellow, fellow associates. Yeah. Imagine that. Uh, um, but yeah, like it's, uh, you know, when the only people around you are like part of your small rural village and you realize that you've got friends. I, I had lots of friends. I'm that's to get that right. I was very, very fortunate. I had a really great experience in school. Um, you know, I was very sociable, um, person, but I feel like a lot of the time I was being, and I feel like I still am. And in a way it kind of helps me with my job, which sounds a little bit bad, but I feel like I'm a bit of a chameleon in the sense that like, I kind of know, what to say to certain people like i'm quite good at switching stuff like that and i didn't think that that was normal uh or and i think other people realize that it's not very normal that um i can be like that so i just you know i guess a sort of ex um investigation of uh why i am that way but i never really saw it as like like you know mental health has always been a a talking point i think in people our age's life but obviously like with the the age of information with the internet and wikipedia and things like that you're getting a lot of information given to you in a very very straight up way so you know it's it's a bit it's, it's been interesting because I, I don't i don't even really know necessarily what you know i've got going on but like you could go on the internet and does I can, anyone <laughs> does any exactly exactly and the thing is about sometimes with the internet like uh being your only source of uh information is that like you can read lots and go oh that sounds like i've got that like i've looked and it sounds like okay i've looked at things about asperger's and that sounds like me sometimes but then other, other things i've read about asperger's i think absolutely not adhd is another thing and then i'm like mm -mm, you know what i mean so i don't want to ever self-diagnose and i'm always very conscious to do that i'm not sure why and i think maybe a part of it could be the fact that like you know if i get it wrong i don't want to be telling people i've got like adhd when i haven't and so mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you know uh, 
people listening to this are probably going to say, this is why you should go to a therapist or a doctor. <laughs> but when this is when I was like, you know, way younger and I'm just, just kind of curious, I wasn't ever really debilitated by um, my differences or anything like that. But I think as I've got a little bit older, specifically now when I'm like 26, seven, I've really sort of had a look internally and tried to figure out, you know, what up. So I don't know. I guess it started when I was about, yeah. When the internet started popping off about 2002, 2003, MySpace mm. era. And then for the last 20 years, I've always been keeping an eye on things and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, it's a it's a weird one for me as well, because I I really understand what you mean about not wanting to self-diagnose. But also, I'm like very torn because for me, I think diagnosis would be almost a relief, I guess. And there's an explanation for my behavior. Um, but it's also very hard to get a diagnosis in the UK. Um, right, yeah. And so it can take years and it's just like, I don't know if I have the, the energy to be able to go through this to then be told yes or yeah. no, or maybe, because it's, uh, brains are weird. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I, I hope this doesn't ever come across as arrogant or whatever, but it's like, even if I do know, like, it's like, cool, okay then, so... Are you going to make me feel better or not? But I think because I know how to make myself feel okay, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty confident that it's like really healthy, uh, I just don't really feel the need to, to be honest, because in a way I feel like, you know, there are resources that perhaps could go to people who desperately need them. So like I think that, you know, and I guess we'll we'll talk about this being related to video games in a little bit, um, but like I think because of the way that I um, my brain works a little bit differently sometimes and the nose maybe closest to me growing up and things like that i've noticed i do have a hyper fixation on things and a real focus on things that i'm in, into and a complete disassociation with things that i'm not and it means that i've been able to kind of overachieve because i just laser focus on things so like i am a bit of an overachiever and it actually does come with like a lot of not sadness but a lot of disillusionment because you know um Again, we just talked about not self-diagnosing, but I'm pretty sure what my issue is, is I'm always in anticipation of reward and I'm always looking to, um, okay, when I've done this, I'll feel better. When I've done this, it'll be, you know, when I get a new house, when I do this, when I do that. And and I I think my brain has slowly been releasing the endorphins, the reward, slowly um, (laughs) as I'm in anticipation on the journey to this destination. So when I get to the destination, I'm like, oh, so that's that then. And that, I think that's my biggest problem in my life, really. And it's it's one that uh, actually, uh, when I work with content creators, uh, it's actually quite a relatable thing. But it sounds ultra ungrateful to those that don't have, to, because I guess because I'm very lucky that I get to work in video games, especially in an area around here where there's no sort of opportunity to. A lot of my friends work in like factories or supermarkets and they all, you know, take the mick all the time, you know, oh my God. How can you be the way you are? But, you know, I've, I've got everything I want, really. I've got, I, I own a house. I've got a wife. I've got kids. I've got loads of great friends. And, um, you know, some days none of that matters to me whatsoever. Like, I feel very, like, uh, completely disillusioned of everything. And I realized that the best way to deal with it is just to, to literally realize that happiness is super short term, like, and to take advantage of that, I mean. So I don't ever try to, uh, say okay I'll, I'll feel happy when i've done this i, I yeah. just try and focus on a really small thing so like having a bath is like the best thing on the planet for me listening to some music that's when i feel nice happiness and i focus a lot on doing that rather than saying oh um when i uh finally get to go on holiday i'll feel good because then when i touch down sometimes i'm like oh okay so <laughs> oh my god so- i relate to this so much like it's <laughs> Well, well, that's good in a way, and that's why I kind of wanted to bring it up. I didn't want to come up here and start moaning and stuff, but I think like it's actually dead important to mention that because um, it's it take, like I don't really talk about my mental health or anything like that to anybody. This is actually the first time I've done it, really. But it's um, well, I feel thank like you for being so open. <laughs> well, yeah, no, absolutely. And the reason that I've done that, and I, I hope it's because it, hopefully, even if there's other people working in the video games industry listening, maybe, or, or people who are content creators or whatever, who have things that if you went to your local Asda, or the supermarkets are available, and you spoke to the <laughs> checkout person, they'd think this person has everything. And, you know, and that's what you do feel sometimes if you don't feel so great. You're thinking, look, all these things I could be grateful for. Why don't I feel, mm, you know? So I wanted to talk about that a little bit, but it's it's uh, 
it's something that, that can sound incredibly ungrateful and things but i think mm, yeah. i don't think it's ungrateful because obviously you don't no one chooses mental health doesn't discriminate against who you are like it will it doesn't matter and i think that's a huge thing that i had to deal with when i was in school because everyone would be like why are you so miserable like i don't get it you've got really nice family you've got great friends you're you're enjoying mm. like hobbies and such like you've literally got nothing you're, you're very privileged you're in a you know your your parents aren't like a, a relatively well off and you know they can take you to to go and play sports and stuff and like i don't understand what your issue is and i was like i don't know either but i feel guilty about it as well as feeling terrible yeah. for no reason yeah yeah and you can't help it <laughs> like it's yeah, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't matter how well you might be doing in life like it's uh it can just yeah. kind of happen to everyone Abs absolutely well yeah that's a really great point and it's something that i try to factor in and you know i, I remind myself um especially like i say you know like coming from the area that i come from and stuff like that i'm, I'm every time um, i'm on a plane which is you know, quite often luckily with my job because i've got the best job ever uh I, I get to uh travel and I'm always excited every single time. Like, like that never goes away. Like even going to London is like exciting for me. I feel like Paddington Bear or something, you know. So, um, <laughs> so like, uh, yeah, you know. And, and I feel like a lot of it is about that. So, yeah, teaching myself that um, the 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 journey really is is this the thing. And I should, if I acknowledge the fact that I'm feeling excited about achieving this goal, rather than thinking okay when this is over i'll be there then that and that does sort of lead into video games a little bit but well i'll 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 wait for my signal because i don't want to just go wildly <laughs> off tangent mode no <laughs> no i'm happy to, to launch into games because this is what really we just couldn't shut up about in the last podcast that we did because we both were <laughs> so excited about these games and i'd love to hear about your the ones that mean the most to you i guess just to start uh, with. okay okay well great well um to all right there's there's the ones that mean the most to me there's a couple of them but i'll 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 try and keep this one brief because it's kind of gaming adjacent but um i used to do music i used to make music and i think that's when i first realized that this the disillusionment of life was really getting to me i grew up sat in front of like my uh i had like a, a radio and a tape recorder uh and i used to record like the top 40 every week and like tattoo all the things she said and like uh danger high voltage by electric six and all those tracks and i used to think how cool it would be to be on radio one and i used to make electronic music back in like 2009 or something like that and in 2011 i worked at, i was working at weatherspoons and i uh came home from my shift and was making some toast in my parents kitchen and i checked my phone and i had like two tweets one was from like the radio one now playing bot which is playing a track that i made and the second was from the one follower on Twitter that I got out of it. And I was oh, like, oh, that's, that's, so what nice. it, that's, <laughs> that's what it is, is it? Uh, that's, that was my Radio 1 moment. I didn't even know. I didn't know that I was on the radio. No one messaged me. Nobody close to me knew. None of my friends or family knew. One random follower on Twitter. And I was like, wow. But the, that was all because I idolized music from the moment I heard the soundtrack to Donkey Kong Country. That David Wise did for the nice. Super Nintendo. Mm -hmm. That game means a lot to me. And even now, like I listen to that soundtrack, you know, on Spotify or whatever, <laughs> or, or like weird DMCA free covers of it on Spotify because I don't think the original is still on there anymore. So I've got, you know, like you hear like the, I don't know, it's like a steel drum tribute act to it and stuff on Spotify. <laughs> but I, I, listen, I listen to the soundtrack loads and um, that was really one of the things that really kickstarted my interest in video games. I think another video game that uh, doesn't have a really long drawn story uh, to it was was pokemon red because it was like a really customizable experience for a kid right any old pokemon i could find i could name whatever i want and keep it all the way through the game oh my gosh i'd never really had that sort of experience before it was like um you know like a jrpg but just ultimate customizability mm, um nice yeah yeah absolutely and, and you know a, a lot of the games that i liked were challenging back on the super nintendo because they're just quite hard so I, 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 that taught me a lot, and it gave me this like uh, love and respect for like endurance, longevity, perseverance, and things like that. So over the years, that's kind of led to the point where I'm at, where I, I think that the, the Dark Souls series and, uh, well, more recently, Elden Ring, are really good for my mental health. Which might sound like a bit of a spicy and unorthodox take because they've got quite a reputation for being a very difficult game. 
No, um, I'm glad you've mentioned that though, because that's actually one of, so one of the pieces we've commissioned for the website um, this mm-hmm. month, because it's Stress Awareness Month, is how renowned intense games can actually be really relaxing for you and I think so many people do relate to it because I know a lot of people that use Souls games to almost wind down when it's like for me that would be the most stressful thing ever Um, and I'm always interested to see or to, to hear how people see that relationship between like having an incredibly stressful and horrible experience and just dying over and over and over again to then equating that with being yeah i feel like i've just blown off some steam you know yeah absolutely i mean yeah i uh i remember saying to my brother like i was i played dark souls to relieve stress and then he messaged me back saying you mean relive stress and i was like no no it's it's uh i think it's uh i mean i i I can go into the sort of this is very sort of like reddit post trying to get onto the front page but i'll I'll try my best to break it down for you i think that you you learn like first of all the thing about dark souls is it's an incredibly fair game it's challenging but it's fair so there's not a load of like you know rng moments or like you know randomized attacks and stuff like that there's a lot of signposts and you learn a lot and like this is like one of the biggest challenges about dark souls for new players is you just think how can anybody enjoy this you think it's like this one big social faux pas, like the first time that you've ever had a sip of beer. You think, how is everybody in the world pretending they like the taste oh of this? God. Why is that a thing, though? It's the same with coffee as well. And I love both of them now, but it's just Absolutely. like when I first tried it, I was yeah. like, what is this? Yeah, you, yeah, you feel like, yeah. I mean, we're, we're recording this on April Fool's Day as well. So, it's, I mean, it feels like the whole world's playing a trick on you, doesn't it? It does. Like, okay, guys, who, you know, I'll have a Fanta, please. Um, but but yeah, it, it's like that. And Dark Souls is exactly like that. You think, gosh, everyone's just pretending that they like this to seem cool. And it's like you're just you're smashing your head on a figurative wall, like the definition of insanity, until uh, you become the wall. You're the problem for everybody else in that world by the end of it. But, you, you know, it's 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 I think it's a good life lesson, especially for people who, who like I say, maybe you're a bit uh, naturally gifted at some things as well. Like even they get humbled. I think it's quite interesting. You, you fail a lot. And uh, you find yourself sort of going for the same thing over and over again. But as you're doing it, you're starting to learn like how each area is made or enemy positions. And it's absolutely ingenious because then by the end of the game, like traversal around the world is like you can do it with your eyes closed. Um, there's a sort of rhythm to everything. There's a sort of pattern to everything. So it's fantastic for that as well. I, I heard that that's a, a really good thing for people's senses and things like that, you know, patterns and things like that. So it works. It, it turns a lot of cogs in, in your brain and it can turn stress into comfort with knowledge. And so basically, I think that's what it does. It empowers you. The game hasn't changed one bit. The only thing that's changed is your approach to this uncomfortable situation. And suddenly you're, you're going through it with ease. So you're believing in yourself. And no other game, that's the thing, if the game has a lot of randomness to it, you might even say, oh, I got lucky there. But with this, you're earning all of the credit and Mm -hmm. it teaches you to focus whilst you're doing that. And like I say, suddenly you're investing these points into your character, however you want. And by the end, you're just this machine going around being a problem for everybody. You're focused, you're zen. You're like Neo when he can see all the code in the Matrix, you know? And by the end of it, it's good. I feel like at the end, it kind of all, nearly all of the games they kind of ramp up. Then they have a little plateau area where like a lot of the bosses are just as difficult as each other. But it's it's very very interesting, and it's it's um I don't know if cathartic's the right word, but I think that you know you, you feel like oh, and you know what? There's all this you know pseudo intellectual rubbish I can get into about how there's all this like the whole game of the whole Dark Souls series is based around flames and oh, you know rage and stuff like that but i think it's like um it's really interesting and i think it's a great little microcosm and a good little way of looking at life in general really like uh, a lot of people i know who who struggle with dark souls put the controller down they go to bed and then they come back to it the next day and they feel refreshed you know and they can go again and they can pass it so yeah yeah i think challenging games are especially good it's what well, for me because i feel like they reward you more so than a game that's like a, a little bit easier than that and it becomes something that's really you become invested in it 
Um, and I think it draws quite a lot of similarities to Celeste because that game basically teaches you how to fail over and over and over again <laughs> until um, you start to succeed and, and you start to improve and actually get through the game. And it doesn't make you feel guilty about failing, which is is a huge thing for me because it's like, I feel like in normal video games land, it's like, oh, if you fail, that's terrible. That's not good. But actually it's like, oh no, it's just a learning opportunity because I see where I went wrong and now I can fix it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that's life in general too. It would be a very unfulfilling life if you did everything you wanted first try, uh, yes. even if you think it wouldn't, you know? And I think that that's a lot. And that's what I love about these games, you know, um, that have challenged it. It's good. And you can take a lot of real lessons uh, in from the games and put them into the real world. Like even if it's as simple as don't give up or if you've tried something and you've got it wrong, you know, then, hey, look, it could just be like, even if you had the perfect plan, you might have pressed the wrong button. There's sometimes yes. like a human error element, too. It doesn't all involve like, you know mental planning and have sometimes you've got a perfect plan but yeah there's just a slight inconvenience that and you just you get up and do it again dust off but it's all happening in this crazy fantastical world or worlds you know yeah. so um yeah so it's bizarre maybe because uh it sounds a bit you know like i've just picked i've just googled what's the hardest game i can tell people's relaxing but no absolutely <laughs> not when you play the game there's there's a real substance underneath the uh you know what might look like pain for people on the on the outside. So that's a yes. game that I really enjoy, Dark Souls or, or the Dark Souls series. Bloodborne, I actually like the most, to be completely honest. But um, it's the same thing, really. Still, really like, need to play Bloodborne. I've it's, um, yeah, it's, oh yeah, oh, I've recently been playing Outlast. Oh yeah, absolutely on, on stream, which is horrifying, and I will not be playing it again. But <laughs> that being said, although it was really horrible and stressful, and I may have little shed a tear or two and jumped away from my desk and threw my controller in fear um i feel like it's built my character up to be not less scared because i'm still just as, as terrified but in situations like that i will just like button mash and hope for the best and i feel like i'm doing that less because it's like okay what's the worst that could happen i die that's okay like it's terrifying and outlast i would not recommend as anyone to play a stress relief <laughs> mm. uh, but also like it kind of afterwards after you finished playing you were like oh i did that like that was really stressful and scary and i still did it so it's like even though it wasn't stress relief in the moment afterwards i was like yeah i feel really accomplished and i can do things now yeah, that's exactly it. And I mean, you know, uh, it's something to mention that, of course, this is all like armchair psychiatry and stuff like that. Um, but oh god, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I um, what I'm about to say is because um, I actually did a PR for uh, the Outlast games, and quite close to the Red Barrels team, went to visit the uh, the studios, and you know, in typical fashion, they're absolutely lovely people. You know, they're not all like. Uh, uh, murderers just like, start like chasing you <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> exactly but um yeah like i horror horror experiences um you know have been linked a lot to stress relief apparently it's something to do with like retraining the amygdala or whatever which is the fear center of the brain and activating it using loads of exposure to like a feared object or situation is what it's like that and the adrenaline rush and stuff like that is why some people do uh use horror to um to unwind horror movies you know um that's what i watch a lot of that's where i've got this from sort of thing yeah. and uh yeah sometimes i think i play dark souls to distress and i watch horror films when i when i want to i guess can i have a, a comfort horror film that's uh, am i a maniac um you know and that, that's like, like there's a stigma around that certainly was like uh 40 years ago which again says a lot about mental health you know the, the mental health stigma in in um in Hollywood films has been fantastically changed recently. And um, mental health is actually at the forefront of a lot of horror stories now, but not in a fetishized way, you know, yeah. like they haven't made the film and called it psycho, you know, mentioning issues like that. It, it, there's a lot more nuance to things like that. And you're getting a lot of excited allegories about grief and trauma and depression, things like that. So how horror deals with serious themes, especially ones revolving around mental health, you know, you, you're getting a lot of it. You know, um, some major horror game, Martha is Dead, launched recently, and that's got a lot, a lot more to it than 
uh, you'd first think, and there's lots of met- metaphor hidden within and stuff like that. So, yeah, Outlast, yeah. you know, you should feel proud of yourself for getting through that. Um, I think I, I think what ramps up the sort of the terror in Outlast particularly is that it's basically just a glorified hide-and-seek simulator because there's no combat, is there, unlike a lot of other horror games, where you, like Resident Evil, for example, where you have the ability to to destroy or debilitate the people in front of you by, like, I don't know, axing them in the head or something. On this one, you've just got to run away and hide under a table, which is actually... It's you know. worse. It's so much worse. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when they bend down and find you and it's just like, maybe they won't. <laughs> or yeah, you don't think that they've seen you and then you can hear the music getting louder and louder and it's just like, oh, exactly. God. Yeah. I think the thing is with like horror movies as well, like I quite like horror movies and I think it's the fact that it's it engages my brain so much to to con- like to focus on what's going on that I forget anything else that I was like anxious about, especially if it's something that's not... I don't need to be anxious about and I I should forget because <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll really overthink a situation to the point where it's just detrimental and it's um, it's not rational. And I know it's not rational, but I can't really get my headspace out of it. And that's usually where I turn to games to be like literally focus on something else for a bit before you, you know, spiral downwards. <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 no. You're, you're dead right. And I think that, yeah, having a little focus for things like that can really help. And I and actually, I think if we look into, again and again, not a healthcare professional, but I think that if you look at it and study the, the sort of reasons why, what I'm about to say hopefully sounds quite logical, but uh, let's talk about a horror game, for example. Like, the players have a lot of really short-term goals, like getting from one corridor to another, but with high stakes because you're being chased so you're focusing on this little small goal get to the end of this room then you're in the next room okay what do i do i need to hide so there's all these little tiny tiny seemingly big decisions in a short period of time so you're completely engaged in that the entire time and it's the same with horror movies right there's like one jump scare then you're like okay 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 is it going to be another so you yeah because you're so focused on these little small moments rather than like a huge journey like say the lord of the rings where there's parts where they're talking to Elrond for 25 minutes and discussing, you know, just how delicious the ring is. And that, you know, you're just like, okay, 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 come on, come on, come on. Where are the ring graves at? But uh, not that, you know, this isn't a critique of the Lord of the Rings. I love it. But that description was gold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean, right? So I think that, like, um, when you're like trapped in a house, you know, surrounded by dark spirits or whatever, and you're just trying to like find a way out or a way then yeah then you you really are focused 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 and at the end yeah you have that catharsis you're like oh i got out anyway okay back to the real world now and uh yeah it, it feels a little bit like you know you've kind of completed a set of tasks you've done something for yourself in a way haven't you i guess mentally so um i, I find that, that that's certainly how i approach like horror games and things like that so when is that you know combined with like a great story something like i don't know silent hill 2 that's another one of my favorite games ever incredibly sad but a fantastic and also can i just say a fantastic um allegory and a fantastic uh, one of the first like major video game stories with a real mental health message i reckon is the silent hill 2 specifically I need to play uh, it i'm like still really getting into a lot of games that i didn't have as a kid or yeah. like um when i was younger so it's yeah i'm my world is getting a lot bigger <laughs> I think I think you'd really like it because based on the, the short conversations we've had, you've got fantastic taste. And I think that there's a not many opportunities to play the game, right? It came out twenty one years ago, um, this year. And like it's just um oh, it's quite hard to get a hold of. It is I think you can play a version of it on PC, but it was like remastered by like a third party, so they they've like the dubbing and stuff like that, I think had kind of um been okay. redone and they and so so the, the story apparently is that the game looks really good for the for the playstation 2 but um they they couldn't really load all of the things in at the same time so they added like a layer of fog to make the game atmospheric and spooky but it also helps the game load so when they brought it to the pc they were like ah we don't need as much fog so they removed loads of it so the atmosphere was kind of lost so if hopefully there'll be a version of it um that you can play soon but i'd really recommend that and for anybody who's interested in in some spookiness and intrigue and mystery silent hill 2 is another one of like my top top games ever if i could think of a top five i think i've mentioned three of them so far so yeah yeah okay what are the other two um <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> well 
The Binding of Isaac. I love that game. Yes. Oh, it was you that I was talking to Binding of I was going to mention that because that's like a, a go-to stress relieving game, even though it's pretty hard. Absolutely. The Binding of Isaac is, uh, yeah, is the one for me, right? I'm, I'm into all this dark stuff, like horror and stuff like that. And like, it's, um, I don't know. I grew up around quite a lot of churches and stuff. So like, you know, I used to go to church as a kid and things like that. I'm not a religious person anymore or anything like that. Well, ever really, but I just went and, uh, yeah, quite into like the biblical themes. I always remember like the Bible's got like a lot of like pretty high stakes stories and stuff like world flooding and things. But there's like a lot of like stories in the Bible that you're like, oh my gosh. And the binding of Isaac, the story of that is like, oh, so yeah. they made the video game and it's kind of a take on that. Right. Um, I think I know it because, um, you know, in, I think like my name is Jake, but my real name is Jacob. And I'm pretty sure that that is something like that name is yes isaac's son in the in the bible maybe oh, or something like that. i can't um, remember but it's definitely a yeah it, it's it's fr- it's from that story right I'm, I'm pretty sure um he has t- isaac had two sons one is jacob and i can't remember the other but uh, if there's any pastors listening you could let us know um but yeah so the binding of isaac anyways a story i was familiar with and i played it and it has this crazy addictive gameplay loop which is like um it's like how do we describe it rosie it's like a top-down uh, game that's dead dead simple you're in a square room pretty much at all times and then it, it just like it's i guess it's a dungeon crawler you go yeah. um but it's i guess crucially the the, the keyword here is it, it's a roguelike isn't it you, you that da- you die and you start again and there's um you're just trying to get get through to the end but there's loads and loads and loads of power-ups and things like that that kind of like augment your character but they all work in tandem yeah. So I think I think there's something like 610 million possibilities at the moment or something like that because yeah, there's over like ridiculous. Yeah, it, it's unbelievable. And you have these like once in a lifetime moments still. So I've been playing this game pretty much on and off since it launched, which is 2011. I have it on like everything it ever came out on. I, I have it on the Switch for when I'm traveling. And I just never ever get bored of it. Never get bored of it. And it's just um I think it's because it's always that mix of what I know and what I'm really familiar with. I'm always familiar with the mechanics and the the characters and iterations of things, but it's it's always a variation on that because it's got these um combinations of the items and things like that. So it's it's the comfort of the of things being the same, but then you've got that like, yeah. You have those map element. Rooms. Yeah. Yeah. Because yes, then when you do find like an ultra secret room or something, or you get <laughs> yeah. like multiple um permanent power-ups that then totally affect the way that your the game works like i remember when i first figured out i could fly and it was the most fun i've ever had because it's just yeah. like all of these issues that were issues before no longer exist and it's great but then um obviously i could find out some of them were more detrimental than um <laughs> yeah yeah like when you can only cry bombs and that you just oh, go yeah <laughs> i actually yeah. really like that one yeah yeah it's dangerous though isn't it so you it's know it's fun it's chaos <laughs> yeah i remember i remember the first time yeah playing um the character azazel which is the mm-hmm. you know the demon character who flies and rather than crying tears shoots uh lasers sort of, like, yeah laser a blood laser which yeah. all of these words sound like 80s hair metal bands don't they but yeah uh, <laughs> it, it's uh yeah oh my gosh and then yeah moving on to trying to you know like i i, I play my playstation quite a lot that's like my favorite console to play and i collect like platinum trophies uh on games i really like only on games i like so i've, I've got all the dark souls platinums and things like that, wow, I've, that I, I haven't impressive. even Thank you. I, I haven't um, platinum the binding of Isaac though, and I think I've got like a thousand hours on it on PlayStation. And is it's it just... even possible to do? There's so much. They, well, and they keep adding. They keep adding, don't they? So like <laughs> the, the the last the last, and I think um, as far as I know, the final ever update was added this year. Was it or was it December last year? But yeah, uh, I slightly last year. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? Did you? And, and we'll keep this spoiler free. I promise. But did you see the, the actual final ending? No. No. no I cried. I oh, cried no. so much. <laughs> it has like the most perfect ending. Uh, that, that like everyone who's been playing it the whole time needed. So yeah. Uh, please. Do yourself the favor of unlocking the ending because it's unbelievable. And for anyone out there, yeah, just, who doesn't care that much, just go on YouTube. It's it's great. I cried so much when that finished because I feel like it's been part of my life for so long, and it's been get, getting content for eleven years. 
And it's over now, you know. They're, they're working on the next it's game. Never over. <laughs> it's never over. It's never over exactly. So yeah. So that's so that's another one. And then um, my other favorite game is really like boring to listen about, but I'll just tell you anyway. Um, and it's just because I have so many memories attached to it. Um, I had a really bad computer growing up, and uh, I wanted to play an MMO RPG. And the only MMO RPG that uh, my computer could run was this like really bad two D MMO RPG called Tibia like the bone in your leg um and uh it's like this massive like to the game it was absolutely brutal it's still going on it's actually still looking at it right now 1997 yeah and 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 it's i think they actually added sound to the game this year it didn't have sound (laughs) no 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 it was it was absolutely unbelievable and it was absolutely brutal you could get killed at any point in the game by any character so if you were like a level one a level 200 character could just kill you instantly and like it's got a really harsh penalty when you die like you lose like you can lose equipment and later on in the game like you you know it takes about 40 hours to get one level if you die you know you can lose your level you can lose your equipment it was absolutely brutal out there and um it's like RuneScape like, before RuneScape. Was it was. Okay. It was like. Actually, that's the thing that it got likened to a lot. It was like the RuneScape wilderness. If the entire game was the RuneScape wilderness, oh, so you were really having to be out there, you know. And uh, you know, it's actually quite cute. Um, there was a huge because um, in Brazil, internet speeds only in the last three years have been um, updated to what you'd consider European standards. So they were pretty much on dial-up speed internet as we know it over over here in Brazil until fairly recently. So what, back when I was playing this in about I don't know two thousand and two or three, um, it was mostly Brazilians playing it or Europeans, and so um, and it was absolutely massive in Brazil, one of the top games. And um, there's been an absolutely huge boom of content creators in Latin America, Central American things like that. And uh, yeah, so when I speak to content creators from Brazil now about games, I'll mention that I play Tibia and it's like you immediately have this camaraderie with them. You know, I picked up a bit of Portuguese from playing Tibia back in the day and I'll say something to them like I used to play Tibia and it's like an absolute the best icebreaker ever. But I played it during the golden, the golden age. It, um, I think it peaked in about 2006, seven era, or eight or something like that. And that, that was when I was playing it. And like, yeah, there's, there's, there's no other game I don't think that will have the memories of that. Because it was the first MMO as well. So I was meeting people from all over the world and learning about other people and stuff. And it was great, yeah. I learned what ASMR is from Tibia. I thought before that <laughs> it was... Actually... Yeah, yeah. Because like, like, I actually had... I've had that my whole life, right? Whenever like a soft-spoken person was talking to me, I used to feel like my brain was like just fuzzing about. And I was like, oh my gosh, what's... This is really weird. It's like, you know, I, I'm short-sighted. So when I take my glasses off, everything's blurry. So when people, certain people would talk to me, I used to feel like it would make my brain do that. And I didn't know what it was. And somebody told me what ASMR was when I was playing Tibia once. And I Googled it and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so yeah. There that's we go. what that's... I have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So thank you, Tibia. And thank you, Brazil. So that's my, that, that's my, um, that's my top five games then. So Donkey Kong Country, Bind of Isaac, Tibia, um, Dark Souls, and uh, whatever else I said. Silent Hill 2. Silent Hill. Nice. What a collection. <sighs> Yeah, very good. Thank you very much. And a perfect way to end it, I think, as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a cool, like, I've, um, oh, I love talking about games so much. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. I, I, it's so anecdotal, isn't it? That's what I love, you know, because it's like you can play them rather than just watch them and experience them the same as other people, you know. And I mean, absolutely, there's like films that, you know, you'll have a favorite film, a comfort film, you know, a film that means the most to you. But like, you know, I know that me and you have probably never played the same run on The Binding of Isaac, despite no. us both playing loads of it, you know. So so stuff like that. And, you know, I mean, you could tell me something that happened to you when you're playing Binding of Isaac and I'd be like proper listening and dead into it. So I love that there's that about it. And it, it, it's just it's great that it brings people together. And I love and, you know, Rosie, you're, you're, you're you know, around my age. So you you know what it's like. But isn't it nice to see people? acknowledge it and watch video games rise in popularity now where like you know being a gamer isn't really a personality trait anymore because most people play video games i love that you know yeah i think everyone else was just you kind of a bit of a loser if you played video games and obviously it's a little less ago for me um because i am 25 this year (laughs) 
um so i've got a few years behind but um it's it's still nice to see the evolution of that and i know that it, it only grows as as people get older especially um like you know i don't want to offend anyone more middle-aged people <laughs> or as twitter <laughs> would suggest uh, which is anything over 24 <laughs> <laughs> that's by the way very contemporary you've seen that yeah okay i saw that tweet yeah. as well and I was like, oh my god! Yeah, what okay. did it say? It was like, oh, what about middle-aged people who were like 21 to 24? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, middle-aged people use gifts or something. And it was like, yeah, 24-year-olds or something. Oh my Unbelievable. god. Unbelievable. I never thought I was middle-aged until then. And now I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, but we digress. <laughs> but before we before we go, um, where can people find you online? Um. I'm just on the internet in general, really. I appear, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have a lot of friends who are megastar, superstar content creators. So I, I'm often on Twitch hanging out. Um, uh, but really, I only have one home on the internet and it's my Twitter profile, which mm -hmm. is um, twitter.com slash the only Jake ever. And um, sorry to Jake who's editing this, who is another Jake. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that, there are... Um, exemptions so yeah yeah that's a sting to jake yeah so yeah it's so it's twitter.com twitter slash the only jake ever maybe i'll change it to uh the uh other jake ever or something one day um but yeah uh it's that for now and you can find out what i'm doing like i say like i'm kind of just i just appear i just pop up in random places here i am here um i've also yeah i i uh i, I do the podcast for wired productions actually it's called wired unplugged and uh, I interview people much like this as well. So you can go on YouTube and search Wired Unplugged and you can see um, the podcast there. And we talk to to people in the video game sector. We got like, uh, well, Rosie's on it. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> yep. I, I, yeah, I, I should have I ended with you actually because we've we got Doug Cockle, voice of Geralt in, in, in uh, The Witcher. Yeah, um, very cool. Loads of other people and Rosie. Yes. So you can search that. Yeah. And me, <laughs> the <laughs> least known of all of them. <laughs> oh. But no, thank you so much. It's been an absolute delight having you on. Um, and for those listening, if you are struggling, please know that you're not alone. There's a lot of support out there. And if you're looking for somewhere to start, please do visit our website at safeonourworld.org to find a list of global helplines, as well as a lot of information about feelings and symptoms. So thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Safe Space and we'll see you next time. Bye.